Uh, my name is Matt Swoboda. I'm one of the executive pastors here. Uh, listen, can we celebrate the fact we are in July and we have 14 baptisms today? That was so weak. That was terrible. You guys need more coffee. We got gray coffee right on the other side of that wall if you guys need to waken up a little bit. I guess you guys didn't hear that. I said it's July and we had 14 baptisms today. Oh. There it is. It just took you a second time. Well, that's just me. I'll preach the sermon twice. And the second time, you guys will get it. It'll be great. Uh, now, listen. Hey, we have been going through uh, this Bless series. And today is the last uh, Sunday in our Bless series. Have you guys been enjoying this series so far? You know what I'm going to say, right? Yeah, that was, that was, that was weak once again. Uh, that's all right. Hey, there's much grace to, to us all. Uh, listen, here's what Bless has been about. It's been about God allowing us and using us to do the thing that he loves to do the most, and that's rescuing people far from him. So the entire blessings has been about us knowing every single one of us, we want to be a part of what God is doing and helping people far from God come to know him. Every single Christian wants that. The big question is how? How is that supposed to look? What is that supposed to look like in my life? How is that actually become just a part of like my daily routine, my daily habits? We all know, man, Jesus says, leave the 99, go to the one. We all know God doesn't just want my life uh, to kind of be faithful and man, I'll go to church, I'll read my Bible. He wants our life to be fruitful and that, uh, you know, uh, the story of the tenants in Matthew 25 of, and he gave you one tenant. Uh, you bring back one, he's not happy. You bring back two, he's very happy. He wants our life to actually be fruitful for his kingdom and his glory. And uh, he allows all of us to be a part of his work in redeeming people and letting people come to know him. And so all of us struggle with, but how does that actually look in my life? What, am I, what is that actually supposed to look like? Uh, you guys know when you meet your spouse, and, uh, or you just meet anyone, you meet someone new, and you're just not sure, like, what role are they supposed to play in my life? So you meet your spouse, and you don't know, like, you don't know they're going to be your spouse yet. You just met them, you know, but you're like, oh, okay. Uh, they're kind of attractive. And, uh, oh, you find out, oh, we have, we have some common interests. And then you realize, okay, they seem to have, like, they smell fine. They have normal, like, habits of hygiene. So then you feel like, okay, this, like, this could actually go somewhere. This, this might be something. Uh, but listen, we're, at that point, we're all asking ourselves the same question. We're asking ourselves, man, I wonder if this could be the person uh, that I'll marry and I'll spend the rest of my life with. I wonder if this is that person. But at some point, uh, there's this breakthrough where you realize you shift from if to when. There's this point where you know, man, it's not if I'm going to spend the rest of my life with this person. It's uh, I just know it's a matter of when. Now, that's if they say yes, gentlemen, when you propose. But if they say yes, you know in your heart, like, man, you go from, you're not approaching that person as, man, I wonder if they'll be the one I spend the rest of my life with. You then go, it's just a matter of time when. What bless does, when we, when we want to be a part of uh, just God bringing people to himself that they might know him, what bless does is it takes us from an if to a when. It takes us, we're all asking the question, man, I wonder if God will open a door and an opportunity for me to get to share my story of what God has done in my life with this person. We all start out that, with that question of, man, I wonder if I'll get that opportunity to share. 
What blessed us, uh, and we're going to walk through this just a reminder, but what blessed us is it moves that question from, I wonder if I'll get an opportunity, to knowing it's just a matter of time when I'm going to get an opportunity to share what Jesus has done in my life. So through bless, our if becomes when, because it's through relationship that opportunity comes. So let's do a quick recap on bless. Uh, B, remember, it's an acronym, so it's a little cheesy, but we all do much cheesier things, okay? Bless your heart. Uh, B, begin with prayer. Uh, you know, remember we said uh, we have to begin with prayer uh, and that we want to don't talk to someone about God until you've talked to God about that someone uh, because uh, we need prayer to remove the unbelief in their heart. Uh, uh, the L is listen. I know this is really difficult for some of you because I know it's really difficult for me uh, that it's helpful to listen before we talk, right? Uh, let them do the talking. Listen to their stories and their hurts and their struggles and their pains uh, and their goals and their dreams. Uh, and then eat, eat with them. Uh, this is the one that comes the most naturally to me. Uh, eat with them. Take the time to build relationship. Get to know them. Show, show them, man, I love you and I care about you. Uh, eat with them. Uh, and then last week we hit the first S, which is serve. That we know, man, every Christian is called to serve. Uh, what we saw last week was it's when deed ministry and word ministry combine, that's where a powerful testimony happens. And so uh, we know it is to serve, that when we're praying for them, we're listening to their story, we're eating with them, uh, we start seeing, man, here's an opportunity that I can serve and love this person. Uh, and then that brings us to today. So begin with prayer, listen, eat, serve. And then today, the last S in bless is story. Uh, when the time is right, now we talk and we share the story of how Jesus has changed our lives. Now listen, I know story is actually, it's the hardest, most intimidating part. You know, all of us, we can be like, okay, I got my four-second prayer in. Uh, I, I even, I focus hard enough, and for the whole, like, 30 minutes, I just listened. I didn't even have to say anything. And uh, all of us, as we know, like, we can eat. So I, we ate. Uh, and it's even because, you know, like, you always look like the nice guy, you know, when you serve. So even serving, like, okay, I can do that. Find an opportunity to serve. What the intimidating part is story, where you're like, oh, man, at some point, I have to say something, and I actually have to have something to say. Uh, my goal today for us realizing and us kind of digging into what can it look like for me to be able to share my story uh, in a way that's effective, and I want to strip away some of the intimidation factor that a lot of us feel when it comes to, man, at some point uh, when I'm uh, blessing this person, uh, it becomes a win, and when I get to share Let's take away some of the intimidation factor for when that win comes. We get to share, uh, share our story. So uh, I'm going to hit some extremely practical do's and don'ts of evangelism. Uh, now listen, when I say some of the don'ts and you're like, oh man, that's so me. Just realize I'm the person that told uh, people who are far from God that they have a hole in their heart. And I have been, yeah, I know, I don't get it either. And I've been the person who did the whole Ten Commandments thing and, like, for some reason felt like I need to prove to them that they feel like they're the worst person on the planet uh, in about 30 seconds, and then surely they'll worship, you know, Jesus with me. I am as guilty of the don'ts as anybody on the planet, so much grace to us all. But I'm going to hit some do's and don'ts uh, of evangelism, and then uh, I want us to see, uh, we're going to be in John 4. I also want to make sure our hearts are shaped the way God's is shaped when it comes to people who are far from him. 
our hearts ought to be a reflection of God's heart uh, when it comes to just his view and his pursuit and his love of people who are far from him. So that's the goal today. That's what we're going to do. So go to John chapter 4. Uh, this has one of my favorite stories uh, in the whole Bible. Uh, in it, we're going to read verses 1 through 30, uh, which is a lot, but uh, I promise you there is better words here to be said than what I'll say the rest of the time. So if you had to tune out at some point, tune out after I read the scripture, uh, not before. So read John chapter 4, uh, start in verse 1 with me. It says, Now when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, although Jesus himself did not baptize but only his disciples, he left Judea uh, and departed again for Galilee, and he had to pass through Samaria. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, so Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour. There came a woman of Samaria to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. And the Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews had no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. And Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty forever. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. And Jesus said to her, Go call your husband and come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband. He said to her, You were right in saying I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. And the woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. It's like the greatest, here's your sign of the whole Bible. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. And Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. And the woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. And Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Just then his disciples came back. They marveled that he was talking with a woman, but no one said, what do you seek or why are you talking with her? So, listen, this is where the Samaritan woman becomes the evangelist. So the woman left her water jar and went away into town and said to the people, Come see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? And they, and they went out of the town and were coming to him. Listen, the first thing that I want us to see in this passage is that God never calls you radically in without sending you radically out. That's the theme we see into the entire Bible. He never calls you radically in without sending you radically out. We see uh, with Abraham in the Old Testament. He says, I will bless you. And then he says, essentially, now get out of your comfort zone and leave everything you've ever known. Uh, he says to Moses, he says, man, I'm with you. Now go to Pharaoh, the most powerful man on the planet, and tell him a bunch of things he's not going to want to hear. 
Uh, and then he is with Isaiah. He says, Isaiah, you are forgiven. Uh, now go. Listen, what do all of us do when we receive really good news? If you get really good news, what do we do? We tell somebody, right? We share. It doesn't have to be really good news. You can just join a CrossFit gym and then you tell everybody, right? Or you run half a mile or you go to the beach once and you feel like you need to put a Salt Life sticker on your car, you know? It doesn't make any sense. We're in Tennessee, but that's okay. But listen, when we receive really good news, what do we do? We tell someone it has to be shared. Listen, God has actually hardwired us that uh, our joy, we never actually, joy is not fully realized until it's expressed, okay? That's why we are hardwired when good things happen to us or we receive really good news. We are hardwired, man, I have received this good news, I have got to share it. All of us are wired to do that. Uh, when we receive good news, we share it. That is how God's wired us of man. I'm going to call you in. I'm going to adopt you into my family. I'm going to give you the best news in the world. Uh, but man, I do that because then I know you're going to go out and you're going to share uh, the same thing. Here's where, uh, here's where I want us just to be a little honest and roll and roll. I think if we're all honest, we'll know. Uh, and if this is not you, listen, you're just a better follower of Jesus than me, okay? So hats, you know, hats off to you. Uh, but I think if we're honest, we would know, man, my love for the people who are far from God uh, is just not where it should be. And my just intentionality and uh, my purpose of, man, it's my life geared towards helping people come to know God. Uh, I think we would all admit, man, uh, over time, little by little, we can become more and more, uh, just a bit more self-interested. Amen? Is that true? Okay, good. There's like three honest people in here. That's fantastic. Uh, but we can but what I want us to see, and what I want us to see from the Samaritan woman that it, I want it to give us encouragement, is what we see from this is the only requirement to helping others uh, know God is knowing him ourselves. You know, it says that it was the sixth hour. What that means is it was noon. So uh, in the hottest part of the day, she's out there to get her water. Uh, she did that because she knew nobody else will be out here. They all went early in the morning uh, or... Um, uh, late in the day when it was cooler outside. So nobody in their right mind is like, man, it's the hottest part of the day. Let me go lo- mow my lawn right now. Now, if you're my neighbor and you mow at six, we're going to have serious issues. Uh, do not wake me up to mow your lawn. Uh, at the same time, none of us, we all know instinctively, we don't go in the hottest part of the day to do the hottest and the hardest work. But she came at noon uh, because she was an outcast. She wanted to go at a time where she knew nobody will know me. I don't have to talk to anybody. Uh, she, Jesus, the last thing, the, what Jesus did not do is go find, who's the most influential person in this city? And let me, let me go and uh, save them and then send them into the city. That's not what Jesus did. Jesus said, he knows, I can use anybody who knows me, I can use uh, for them to be used uh, to let others come to know me. So he goes and he finds the social outcast who is uh, getting water the hottest part of the day because she doesn't want to be seen uh, or have to talk to anybody. Uh, you don't have to be a super Christian to be used by God. Uh, notice that she didn't uh, meet Jesus and they go, okay, good. Now, now that that happened, I'm going to take this water. I'm going to go to my five-year discipleship program. And by the end of that program, I'll get to share the gospel. That's not what happened. She didn't go, man. I'm glad I got this. Now let me go get some formal training so that I know, you know, the words to say. Listen, 
we need to take some of the intimidation off of ourselves. And like, man, we don't have to be a super Christian just to share what Jesus has done uh, in our own lives. She simply met Jesus and then was compelled to tell others to come meet him. Uh, another thing I want us to see is what Jesus did for her before he ever shared, her, uh, shared the gospel with her. You notice in the passage when we read it, she was shocked. Why would this guy even talk to me? Uh, men didn't talk to women like this. Jews didn't talk to Samaritans like this. Uh, but Jesus, uh, Jesus didn't care. Jesus showed her value in a way that other people wouldn't. Jesus showed her value. He broke racial, social, and religious barriers to speak with her, and he did not care what other people would think. Uh, so here's my first do of evangelism, okay? Show people value before you ask them to value your God. Show people value before you ask them to value your God. Listen, that's what blessed us. When we're praying with people, listening to them, eating with them, serving them, we are showing them genuine value. We are looking for ways to benefit their life. My encouragement is don't even share until you feel like I've actually benefited this person's life, shown them value. The reality is if people don't love you, and know you love them, they are not going to want to know your God. If people don't love you and know that you love them, they're not going to want to know your God. So here's my first don't of evangelism. Don't view people as projects to be conquered or assignments to be completed. Don't view people as projects to be conquered uh, or assignments to be completed. So this is a true story, uh, and this was in Spring Hill, okay? Uh, but uh, my wife and I, we were at a coffee shop, and we were leaving. I mean, the, the car doors were open. We were like one, you know, like one leg in the car. And this lady sitting outside at the table. You know, I'm a pastor, okay? So even when you try and, it go, and it, you do a really poor job, uh, I'm still like, at least they're trying, you know? But this lady, when we get in the car, she goes, you know, she, she asked the dreaded question before the question of like, hey, can I ask you one question real quick? And I was like, oh, here it comes. Do you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? And I was like, I'm literally getting in the car to go. You're clearly not interested in conversation. But I was like, at least she's trying. This is great. I was like, oh, man, uh, good news. Uh, thankfully, I do. Uh, actually, I'm a pastor and, you know, serve Jesus. And my wife then says something to the effect of, yep, yeah, you know, uh, we just moved here because Matt got a job at a church, you know, whatever. And, uh, and we go to get in, and she goes, oh, no, no, no. She goes, I wasn't just talking to him. I was talking to you. And then she was sitting with her friend at this coffee shop. This is a true story. And she looks at her friend, and she goes, I wasn't letting her get away with that. Listen, you guys should be so proud of how I held it together. <laughs> okay? If I was Catholic, they would have promoted me to sainthood immediately. <laughs> All right, statues in Rome level statue because of how angry I was. You know what that did? Do you know how unvalued, unloved, and uncared about we felt in that moment? In that moment, we knew, man, she's just trying to check a box. She's just wanting to be able to say, I tried to share the gospel at the coffee shop. She didn't care about us. She didn't value us. She was just trying to complete an assignment that she had. That may, it, honestly, it made us feel worthless and unvalued. Uh, thankfully, my wife is very sweet, so she said something when we got in the car, and then I'm like raging, and she's like, oh, that didn't go very well for her. And I was like, well. But listen, people are not projects uh, to be completed uh, or assignments. People are made in the image of God, and they're to be loved. 
And they should feel, if you, listen, anybody that you genuinely love, they feel loved by you. If you need like the litmus test, man, how, how, does, how do I know if this person knows I love? If, they, if, if you genuinely love them, they will feel loved by you. So now here's the hard part. We got to answer the question, how do I know if we're loving people or we're just approaching them as like a project or assignment? Because the reality is, we want them to come to know God. Like, it's not like, hey, I'm talking with this person, I'm praying for them, I'm listening to them, I'm eating with them, I'm serving them, uh, with absolutely no agenda. Like, we can own, no, we have an agenda. We want them to know God, right? They're it, like, we are trying to get somewhere. But, so what's the difference between doing that out of love and doing that as a project to be completed uh, and, and uh, to mark off our assignment? What's the difference? Listen, When love is our motivator, we keep doing it even when it costs us something. Okay? When love is our motivator, we keep doing it even when it costs us something. If we're actually going to bless people, it's going to cost us time, energy, financial resources, convenience, and it will require sacrifice. Listen, it's super easy to walk up to a stranger, ask like the world's most awkward question, uh, and then and be super weird about it, and then walk off. Like, you'll be a freak, but that's like, that's easy to do, okay? Anybody can do that. You know what's harder? Taking the time to actually, oh man, let me know your name. Let me spend uh, a lot of time alone praying for you. And let me actually sit down and just listen and eat with you. And let me find ways that I can serve you. That actually takes time. When it actually costs us something uh, is when we know, man, I'll keep doing it, even when it costs me something. That's when we know love uh, is our motivator. Listen, when love is our motivator, how we pursue those who don't know God reflects Jesus' pursuit of us. It costs us something, and we can do it with joy. Uh, Jesus did not... Uh, he doesn't just put up with us when it's smooth and easy. If you guys are anything like me, you know it is literally never smooth and easy. Uh, Jesus, I don't think there's been a day in my life where Jesus has looked down on me and be like, he's finally got it, no much, no, like not much work left to be done. That day has not come. It's, it's not even been close. Uh, he didn't look at the Samaritan woman and say, man, when she figures out this whole guy issue, I can't wait to use her for my kingdom. No, no, he knows, no, love led him to the cross, and it cost him absolutely everything. He gave up his placement in heaven, his status, his comfort, his very life. He's showing us, no, no, it's while yet we were sinners, Christ died for us. How his pursuit of us ought to shape how we pursue others. Man, I'll, I'll put in what it takes, because I just genuinely love the person. It is requiring sacrifice. It's requiring evenings of my week. It's requiring some financial resources. It's requiring my time and my mental and emotional space and capacity to pray for them, to think about them, uh, to try to have intentional conversation with them. It costs us something. But when we realize, listen, it costs Jesus everything to have us, it shouldn't, it shouldn't be too far down for us where we realize, man, those small costs are nothing compared to my friend coming to know him. And listen, number two, our aim is to see people come to know God, not win them to our worldview. Our aim is to see people come to know God, not win them to our worldview. This is where I think we trip ourselves up a lot. This means our aim is their heart, not their head. 
So notice in this passage, Jesus tells her, man, uh, he has the living water. And what does she do? She tries to turn it into a, a religious discussion. She goes, well, uh, are you greater than Jacob? Uh, here's Jacob's well. He gave it to us. I mean, that came from God. Are you, you, know, are you better than him? And then, uh, he, then she finally says, okay, uh, I'll take this water. She asks for it. And then he says, he turns the attention to her heart. He says, hey, I'll, I'll give you that living water, uh, but first go find your husband. Now, what was he doing? He, like, you would think, like, if you knew, hey, my friend here has a sin issue, and they're like, man, I do want Jesus. And you, if you just, like, then, like, th- thrown salt in the wound, uh, exposing, hey, remember this massive sin issue in your life? What's he doing? He is, to get, he, he is refusing to let this discussion not get personal. He knows the only way her life has changed isn't by me, him answering, in fact, I am greater than Jacob. I was before Jacob was. He didn't know for her life to be changed and for her to know God, her heart has to be changed. So he exposes the fact that her heart, that she keeps going back to the same well of relationship, of relationship, after relationship, after relationship, and walking away empty every single time. Jesus knew uh, to know me means changing what your heart seeks. Uh, So here's another don't of evangelism. Don't get stuck in arguments over science, philosophy, and secondary theological issues. Listen, there are thousands and thousands of different truths in the Bible. Uh, Our job is not, let me convince this person of all of these truths, and then they can come to know Jesus. That's not how it works. Uh, Jesus and Paul. Paul uses this language of, man, let me share what's first and foremost. And then he always shares the gospel. He goes, man, what's first and foremost, Jesus came according to the scriptures. He died according to the scriptures. He rose from the dead. Let's start with first and foremost, because we know we're not trying to convince people of our worldview. We are trying to help them know God. And what we have got to know is change comes after belief, not before. Person changes, that happens after they believe, not before. It doesn't do us or them any good to say, man, I'd love to tell you about Jesus, but you know this one political issue that you're so wrong about? Let me start there. They don't need that. They don't need our worldview before they have our God. It is God and Jesus who will change their heart, renew the mind after they believe and come to know him. So we have to remember... uh, Our aim is for them to know him, not for them to hold everything we hold dear, dear from day one. We don't have to have a master's degree in theology. Uh, We don't have to have, we don't have to be an expert in science or ethics or anything else. We simply have a heart that says, no, no, I know God and I love my friend. I want them to know him. And we know, man, my goal here isn't, it is not to correct everything that they believe is, is wrong. My goal here is to connect them to the only person who can absolutely and radically uh, change their life. Uh, Number three, listen, when we focus on our story, we always know what to say and have something to share. So a big thing, a big fear we have of, man, I don't know how to like share the gospel. Uh, You know, what I hear from a lot of people is, I just don't know what to say. Well, listen, if you're trying to be a, like the greatest theologian and convince them of everything from day one, you probably don't know what to say. You know, I went to Bible college, but there's been a lot of years since then. I don't even remember half of it. I honestly don't even know everything to say. And you guys are like, you're one of the pastors. This makes me quite nervous. Listen, I, you know, you forget, okay? Uh, 
you know what I do know what to say? I just know what to share of like what Jesus has actually done in my life and for me. You don't have to be an expert. You don't have to have the answers. You just have to have an actual real relationship with Jesus. So this passage says, So the woman left her water jar and went away into town and said to people, Come see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? Listen, this leads me to my most important do of evangelism. Start with being vulnerable and end with how great God is. If you need to know, man, what am I, where am I supposed to start? What am I supposed to say? She says, so this woman who refused to even draw water at the same time the rest of her city drew water, she is now the one going into town to tell them, come see a man that all I ever did. You know that they were well aware. They were well aware that she was on man number six. They knew she was on man number six. You know what? People need to hear the good news of how a great God has actually made a difference for bad, spiritually dead, broken people. It does not help our friends who are far from God for us to share, man, I have Jesus and now my life is awesome. Do you want your life to be awesome? That is not the gospel and that is not what Jesus has done for us. Our people need to hear what that that city knew. This is a woman who's on man number six. And she says, Come see a man who told me all that I ever did. I don't have to hide what I did because can this be the Christ? Is this the one who wipes away every tear? Is this the one who forgives us of our sins? Is this the one who's going to restore all things? If we are still trying to impress people, they're never going to be impressed with our God. We have got to know that. If we're still trying to impress them and put our best, our best and prettiest Instagram version of ourselves out there, They're never going to be impressed with our God. They need to see what he does for broken, hurting, struggling, sinful people. They need to hear, this is what my sins are. This is how they were destroying me. This is how Jesus stepped in. This is what he's done for me. Uh, And this is why I've committed uh, my life to him. So I want to make this super simple. um, Because I do, I want, could you guys imagine... Uh, just every single one of us saying, man, I am going to bless people. Uh, I am going to be a blessing. I am going to go from if to when and actually start sharing my story of just what Jesus has done in my own life. I'm not going to get stuck in, uh, I don't know what I'm, uh, I don't know uh, why you believe what you believe about science and evolution. I'm not worried. Let me just share my story of what God has done for me. If we all became that person, uh, what we see in verse 39 is it says, many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. Many in the town believed in him. I want to make this as simple as possible for us to just be able to go, man, I know. All I have to do is share my story. I know. I'll always know what to say and what to share. So break your story just into three segments, okay? The first one is before I knew God. Answer for people, man, this is what I was seeking. This is what I was missing in my life. These were the things my heart were most drawn towards. Uh, The second part, how I came to know God. Just share with people how Jesus answered those things for me, how I came to know him and why I committed my life to him. Uh, And then the third, how he has changed me since I have known him. What is different about my heart and my life? How do I deal with my sin and brokenness 
differently. Listen, notice how it says, how do I deal with my sin and brokenness differently? If we're trying to share people and convince people of, man, I became a Christian and now my life is great and it's all put together and I like all these sins I, I used to have, I don't have anymore. They're going to, if they don't know you well enough at that point, they'll eventually laugh in your face. Right? We all have sin and brokenness. But the difference is, man, I had despair but without hope. I had brokenness but without peace. I had temporal happiness but not eternal joy. That we get to share, no, no, this is how Jesus has actually changed my life uh, since I've known him. May we be a people in the church who share our story that just others might know him. May our pursuit of people who are far from God just reflect God's pursuit of us. This is for literally every single person who knows him. God has hardwired in us that when we receive good news, that we share it. And all we have to share, you do not have to be an expert. Every single Christian in this room can be a person who blesses others in this way um, because we have a real and living God who has done real work in our lives. And all, uh, all we have to do, all we get to do is share, this is, what the, this is the difference Jesus has made in my life. And every single one of us can do that. Uh, pray with me. Lord, we just thank you for this morning. We thank you that you are a God who, uh, who uses uh, just broke, broken and sinful and hurting people uh, like us. Uh, God, I just pray uh, for our church that uh, as we have gone through the series, that we will, our hearts, uh, our hearts feel towards those who don't know you the way yours does, and that we desire to be fishers of men who leave the 99 to get the one. God, my prayer is that your spirit will do something in us, that it just becomes part of our days, uh, that our lives are shaped around helping people come to know you. God, we are so desperate uh, to just see uh, you move in that way in our city, in our community, in our friends' lives. May we have our lives shaped around you in such a way that we just know it's just a matter of when, of when we get to share how you have changed us and made a difference in our lives with those around us. We know we need you for that. We need your spirit. And God, we just want to see you high and lifted up, your fame and glory and renown just grow in our city. And that starts with every single one of us, just being people who share our story of the redeeming, life-giving work of you. We love you, Jesus, and we are so grateful that you laid down your life for us, that we can have life in you. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.